What is up, Asymmetry? How y'all doing? If you haven't noticed, Mariah has dedicated to some tropical content over the recent months, and we wanted to sit down and catch up with the man behind the information, David Cutchins, uh, one of two curators and proprietors of DNL Nursery in Florida, and just a wonderful human being, a long-term friend of Mariah, a wonderful artist, a wonderful ambassador for the positivity of bonsai, and just a fantastic human being all around. Uh, David walks us through some tropical stuff. We talk about a groundbreaking demonstration he recently did, and our team was able to capture. And uh, and we pay homage to some of the iconic pioneers of bonsai in North America that we've lost this year. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. David Cutchins. Uh-oh. Holy majoli, is that light or did you shave your head in radical ways? No, uh, it's it's light. Oh, God, I thought that you would put stripes through your head and I was about yeah. ready to get excited slash judgmental. Pepe Le Pew, I, no, where I, are you? I'm just sitting in front of the window, but I'm definitely going gray without a doubt. That's what Bonesai does to you. That means you're doing it right, David. That and, that and a little girl. Oh, you think so? I, I think the little girl keeps you young. I think the bone side makes you old. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely not stressful. Uh, the uh, I, yeah, I, I hope think not. The heat's killing me a little every day. Yeah, just taking a little bit more of your soul with each degree. Yeah. Has it been like abnormally hot or something? Uh, I mean, it's just the the humidity gets trapped underneath the oak trees. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it may be like 90 degrees, but then it'd be like 90% humidity under the oak trees. Oof. Uh, that's why it's so hard to keep everything like so clean because it's just, it's humid air. Yeah. You know, so everything wants to grow and yeah, everything wants to be gross. Grow and get funky and slimy and stinky. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Check out uh, check out that hot frame in the background there. Yeah, look at you. What's going on with that? Where'd you get uh, that cool thing? Who would Some, make such somebody, a beautiful thing? Somebody with tremendous talent must have made that. That's number two. That's actually a rhododendron. Oh. It's the only one I've ever found. Huh. Was yeah, that a root, a root or something? I kept the first three. Yeah, I took that out of, um, or I found that at, uh, uh, it was right after a really bad ice storm in the Appalachians. And uh, it caused a lot of trees to down, get down, and then it it messed up the current of the flowing river when all the ice started melting. So it actually dislodged that azalea and, or rhododendron. And I uh, got lucky. I snaked it up and never found another one like it. Wow! Not, I haven't found a usable rhododendron, not a root anyway. That's the basically the base of the tree. Yeah. Interesting. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. Cool, man. Hey, you know, I yeah. never really did ask you how you got into making those frames. I don't I, I I how did that even start for you? Uh so the first time I ever saw something like that, they're actually I mean, it's not a terribly uncommon thing. Mm -hmm. You see them in restaurants, but it's not like what I make or what uh there's another person that makes uh, something similar, just like a uh, they use like existing frames. But you'll see it in restaurants. Even Pollock sent me a picture of one that he saw in New York. But I saw this at a uh, a restaurant in Germany in, um, I think that was like 2005. And uh, it, was a, it was a concrete frame that was a part of the wall. And then they had like a concrete branch coming out of it. So, you know, I've never seen all wood pieces, but there's always like a half plaster concrete and 
half real branch or full artificial thing in, in like Mediterranean restaurants, Italian restaurants. So whoever came up with that, I don't know. I just saw that and you know, uh when I was trying to figure out, well, how do I be in college, pay my bills, and then study bonsai? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I kind of made them out of the necessity to be able to, to pay for that without having to give up school, uh, or work like a full-time job that, you know, was just to have money basically. Mm-hmm. So that's where they came from. Wow. I just, uh, I, I, I've always collected wood because of hurricanes, stuff that washes up like whole tree trunks, stuff that won't fit on a truck. Like. I'll bring it home if I, if I, if it's okay to take, I won't go up in sand dunes or nothing, but, um, uh, so I've always collected that kind of stuff. And then in forestry, uh, the only time I ever got like a talking to was I would find lighter stumps out in the woods and they would be so gnarly. So I'm there to put the fire out, but then I would chain that damn thing to my plow, you know, which is completely flammable. Uh, so yeah, my boss had told me like, Hey, you know, we're here to put the fire completely out, not, not take it with us or, uh-huh. you know, put things that, you know, catch fire on top of your unit. So, <laughs> right. but yeah, it's, it's tied to it. With I think chain. I've always done it. It's like, I walk past it and I'm like, oh man, what could happen to you if I don't, you know, if it's something that's useful to the environment, I'm not going to mess with it. You yeah. know, I'm not going to rob something's home, but if it's just washed up and probably going to get destroyed. Yeah. It might, it might join me. <laughs> so. And and so naturally the next question is, do you have a collection of all of these pieces of wood and stumps somewhere? Do you like have like a stump yard? I've got, uh, I got a lot. You know, if you count what I have from, from Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I, I, I bet I could answer almost any request that someone had up to about 15 feet. No kidding. You know, and I, I didn't get it with the necessarily intention to use it either. It's just like, I can't let that rot. Oh, I can't let that rot. So it's, it's good. I have an acre because I have quite a boneyard of anything from incredibly old Cypress to the junipers and pines. Yeah. I only use the stuff that doesn't rot real easy. You, uh, I'm assuming you keep your personal collection at DNL, right? Of bonsai. Uh, well, uh, you know, um, now most, most of it is here. There's, if you count like even the little things I have, I probably have another thousand trees here. Oh my god! And then there's probably 4,000. What? I don't know. Four to 5,000 there. Uh, so (laughs) I mean, my personal collection has 6,000 trees. I, uh, I have roughly 6,000 bonsai. (laughs) Just, just set expectations. Well, they're not all bonsai. They're, you know, they're things I'm growing out for bonsai too. Yeah, so, yeah. No, uh, I get it. it's not all it. still got to water it, bonsai. fertilize it, prune it, all that stuff. That's a uh, lot. Three to four times a year, yeah. Jeez. I, all, and then the four to five thousand at the nursery. It's just Dave and I, and sometimes some volunteers or students. Do you feel so, your Do you feel your soul screaming for a, a vacation? No. 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 I mean, I. Uh, yeah, if it's something that's on like the personal basis, you know, I, I would worry or have emotional stress with that. But as far as the plants, I don't know. I um, I I I like being able to do this with stuff and keep it up. You know, it's mm-hmm. yeah. There's days that I'm just like, well, today is just 
so incredibly hot and humid mm. and you know if i'm lucky i might get 50 to 100 done mm. you know on days like this but it's just yeah it's it's uh it's the only time that it's annoying is july and august really so the next two uh, it, basically the next six weeks are going to be similar to today they're going to be punishing yeah and because also too because between now and when i leave here on the 28th to head to Marai, i will cut uh everything that's in the strips and stuff so uh yeah i'll, I'll basically do i might have a couple students come next week and stuff but usually i don't have classes the hottest two months of the year because there's nothing we can really do except for the pre-stuff and that's i don't know man i like to have that kind of that personal decision on every single tree i used to think dave was bsing me when he'd be like oh i remember when i did this to that tree like 20 years ago and i'm like you don't remember all of this there's no way Mm. but i remember every single one Mm. and it's i don't know how i remember it but yeah i so that's hard for me to let go of you know even though i trust students and stuff but you know i like to be at the front line of where these things are going because it's my future yeah you know it's dave's future poppy's future so every cut from one year cutting all the way to maybe well one of those cypress three four hundred year old tree yeah i'm 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 very curious what's going to happen when so it's hard to let go of that even if there is that many being being a grower like that and maybe i've asked you this before but i i would i would talk i talked with chris kirk and gary wood about this at talperian how do you continue to prevent yourself from falling into a production rut of duplication of style and form, et cetera? Like, do you have to challenge yourself? Do you have to actively try? Does the material, because I would think if you're making and producing so many trees, there's a risk of starting to get into a style and a form and make decisions and identify that oh. pattern. And like, how do you have to actively work to not do that? No, I, you know, from, from the very first day that I started doing stuff at the nursery, Dave always said, leave three options in that tree. So that way various people could look at it and they could see three potential ways you could go with it. So when you're thinking of it that way and not thinking of like, how can I make the fastest thing to make the most attractive thing? You know, that will make you be very repetitive, you know, especially if it's like a species, you end up making all the species kind of similar. But uh, no, I, you know, if I'm thinking of, you know, a two to five to 10 year growth period, you know, I I can be a little bit more risk, risk oh, not risky, but uh, I can create more interesting movement in trees because I know I have time to work it out. So, you know, I, I'll cut them a few times a year. I'll make real trunk type cuts, not like chopping it off, but primaries all the way back to the trunk. I might do that just once a year, but. I'll bifurcate three or four other times that year, but I don't, I don't know. I think it's, it's harder for me to be repetitive with it Mm. than it is to not Hmm. because I just, there's so many, you know, why, how boring would that be to be, you know, to go after, you know, a market that constantly changes, you make all the trees different, you know, because somebody's going to poop tomorrow and then it's going to be like, Oh, now we're onto this thing. That's real awesome. We don't care about this species anymore. So, if you don't keep them different, then it's it's boring. It's just yeah. Do you look at do you look at Dave as being a little bit of like a well? 
obviously ahead of his time, but do you look at him as being a little bit of uh hmm, I mean, you're talking about an elevated person to have come up with this sort of approach 20 years ago, 30 years ago. He he just it's kind of like that saying like, you know, treat people how you want to be treated. Uh-huh. He makes bonsai you know, because if he goes somewhere, he would like to see interesting, different stuff. So, yeah, why would he have his own place and not do that? Yeah, you know, he's not, he's not satisfying the. Well, it's kind of like if if I think of Mariah, you're not necessarily satisfying the market. You're doing what bonsai is to you. Yeah, and if people dig that, sweet. If they don't, there's there's definitely someone else for you. You know, so it's he just why do everything the same? That's like probably one of the first things. You know, when we did that whole look up at the oak tree thing that we talked about a long time ago, it was to see the difference in all the trees, not just one way, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I don't know if I would have instinctually done that. It it happens instinctually now, but yeah, it was, uh, it is definitely one of the first things that he was, it was an intention always. Yeah. You know, it was never a wasted cut. Yeah. Do you find yourself now that you're taking on such a significant role at DNL and it sounds like sounds like you're taking on maybe even more than you bargained for just in terms of the workload and what what DNL is is becoming you find yourself having a hard time getting out and looking at oak trees and just the stuff or is that kind of what you just do as a intuitive part of uh-huh. your daily existence? What do you mean? Like, like I wish I had more time to do like things yeah, that just I being out, just wanted. getting out. Yeah, looking at looking at trees, being out. I mean, listen, Mariah keeps us all extremely busy. My my constant yeah. desire is to get back into the mountains. Now they're not immediately at my fingertips here necessarily. Not the mountains I want to go to, anyways. But but they're within striking distance. And so I just wonder, is DNL and your bonsai career becoming or reaching a point where you're really bound to the to to the nursery? No, I mean I I, I miss my kayak. You know, I, mm. I do like kayaking through big, giant, old forest and very secluded places. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I I haven't done that as much, but uh, I think the way that I'm going to solve that is once the uh, website's done, uh, you know, we have taken people before. So, you know, that could be something that we offer as part of our, you know, our week long classes is on one of those days, we'll go out and we'll study these trees where they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, a lot of those cypress picks that uh, were used in that article, you know, those things are my, my kayak's 14 feet. So, yeah, I miss doing that. So it might be become a part of the nursery's activity. So that might remedy me there. But um, I wish I had more time to mess with clay because ever since I had a, I got a kiln, I did some time with Roy Minari about uh, you know pottery just because I touch trees all day. Mm-hmm. So just to have that something else, you know, I really like clay, and uh, that's you know. Bonsai is my life. It is, it keeps me awake at night sometimes. You know how this is. Uh-huh. You know, you think about things that you need to do or you got to do or you wish you could have done. So, yeah, clay is that thing that bonsai used to be where it takes me out of things. Oh, so, interesting. Oh, yeah. wow. It takes me out of that tree. I'm not thinking about the trees at that moment. It's just the clay. Right. You know, so 
it's it's become like a like a calming thing um so yeah i i haven't had enough time to do that lately but that's just because it's summer and it's it's propagation time it's you know uh you figure the first two months of spring and then summer yeah it's nonstop. right and then after that there's more time very very cool I, a little man just walked in what's up bubs tea money hi here put this on david wants to say hi Hi, David. Yeah, you gotta talk What's up, dude? Hi, David. I get to be David now, not just Josh. That's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> How you doing? Good. Yeah, good. Good. How is Clay? Speaking of Clay, Taft's in uh, ceramics class right now. It's, you know, it is, uh, I, I really like it. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Taft is going to become the new uh, ceramicist at Mariah. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Artist in residence program. Artist in, re- artist in residency. Yes. I wonder if we could just take you out of elementary school and fully dedicate you. Look at your, you're all, you have clay smeared all over you. I love this. I love this look. You have the look of a potter. A little elbow, a little elbow action over mm-hmm. here too. Yeah. He's got it all over you. Excellent. God, that's cool. You're so coming cool. home dirty is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here, okay. Oh, how old is Poppy now? Uh, she she'll be three in November. So, yeah, I'm very terrible at math. Yeah, she's she's too old. <laughs> she the happiest happiest little girl ever. Yeah, she's uh, she's pretty easy to deal with. Pretty well, you know. Potty training is going incredibly well, so nice. she's yeah. She doesn't throw too many fits. She doesn't do too many, you know, mine, mine, mine. You know, like two year old stuff. She's she's pretty chill. It, it means if I have another, there'll probably be a raging maniac because this was too lucky. Got to strike that balance, so, you know. Oh, got to strike that balance. No more poopy diapers for daddy, though, huh? Yeah, it never really bothered me. Yeah, I know, you know? It, it is part of it, but still, it's nice to not handle poopy diapers, eh? It, if you, you know, it, if you said I have to handle poopy diapers or I means, don't, you're gonna say I well, would rather not. But poopy diapers also mean that uh, they're more stationary and they're running around grabbing stuff. <laughs> so there's a trade-off there. Interesting, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Once they once they graduate from that, then they're mobile. And that's uh-huh. that's a whole other thing. Do you guys play zone defense or do you go like more man to man? She's uh oh she's something. <laughs> That's great. Every single picture that you've sent me of her, she's got this like the most gigantic smile that could fit on a three year old's little head. She's happy. She's uh, a happy kid. Seems like she's it's, doing uh, quite well. I think she's a mashup between Katie and I for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Does I don't she... think she favors either one of us like more than the other does she just crush in the nursery does she go out there and rage and like not not like do damage but just uh, like f- find her little paths through the garden yeah everything. uh she she goes right to the greenhouse because she likes to take all the rocks from the ground and put them in the pots uh-huh like you know the empty <laughs> pots she likes to fill them with rocks yeah and then she's covered in the dust from the soil and everything so yeah she's got the lizards and the snails and you know she does. She likes to ride on the golf cart. Take me she back. Likes the nursery. Uh huh. Uh huh. I want to. If I if if I could do it all over again, I would want to grow up in a bonsai nursery. I I, I really would. T- 
ta- like watching Taft grow up and his GI Joe figures and all the trees and stuff. I got over it pretty yeah. quick that he could potentially bump and de-style a few branches because like the pleasure of seeing him enjoy the trees was just like so worth it. Yeah, she can she can play in the dirt. She can, yeah. It's she, there's plus you got the general landscaping, not just the trees. So it is kind of like her own little park, right? You know. So yeah, it is it is kind of cool to have a kid grow up in a park. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Do you maintain the landscape too? You have help with that. Uh, we both we both do it. Jeez. Yeah. You got it's just it's just him and I that do that. You got a lot going on, man. Well, it's, you know, it's, it doesn't feel like too much. It's just when, you know, it's, it's when you're vulnerable to, well, like me being sick three weeks, mm-hmm. you know, and not being able to be around them because I was contagious, mm-hmm. you know? So it's things like that, that, yeah, then, it, then you're vulnerable because there's only two of you, you know? So, uh, it's, if it's not for that stuff, then no, I don't feel overly burdened or stressed with any of it. Yeah. You know, it just. There's things I want to do more with, you know, uh, doing more students and then, um, you know, looking for my uh, Anthem Bulo. That's uh, that's the goal now that what, I can do those little extra things. What is what? Looking Anthem for, what? What's that? Well, yeah. What, Anthem Bulo. It's a Roman term for like one who clears the path. So it's it's almost like you would say in an apprentice in a way, but not an apprentice. You know, uh-huh. it, it was like a. I see. How can I? It, I think it's a. Uh, it's like patrons would hire an artist in Rome, uh, and then you know the artist was to you know either advise them or to paint or any of these things, and you know they would go before the per before the patron and kind of clear the path and announce that they're coming and stuff. So it's kind of like an apprentice. It's someone that clears the path for the the main person, and then you know essentially clears the path for them. Mm-hmm. You know to then secede to that patron place so yeah an apprentice just seems weird you know i don't know that an apprenticeship would ever work they don't seem like very uh realistic things in america feels yeah it feels very uh old not feels it is very old world i mean except for like you look at electricians and like an apprenticeship an electrician and a trade is a natural intuitive thing right but like um to the degree that apprentices exist in Japan and and a- apprentices exist in the traditional arts or trades, that's not that. I think it's for bonsai in North America. It's a little bit like it seems like a challenge. At least it never really worked for me. But I but it seems like other bonsai professionals are trying it. Maybe having success with it. I don't I don't know. You know, Michael Hagedorn has had quite a few i think apprentices um so but you're but what you're saying is you're looking for somebody that can really come in and dedicate to dnl and learn under you and help you relieve your relieve some of the pressure and really dig in deep with you yeah you know not you know it probably wouldn't be until next year or something but Mm -hmm. uh yeah i i don't know that i'll do i don't know how traditional or not traditional it will be but maybe like an internship or extern, whichever one is like a paid kind of thing. But yeah, you know, somebody that would be, I don't know. It's hard to look for yourself. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to look for yourself though, you know? Well, the thing is, I, I, I honestly think, uh, I don't, I don't think, you know, I think I'd be pretty strict. (laughs) 
I may not be that fun, you know, students and stuff I can joke around with. But yeah, if it was somebody who was, uh, you know, you really counted on to 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 be responsible for things like that's a that's a lot to put on someone. That's a lot to put on. Because then you think of it in terms of like it's not just a mistake; it's my future that just took a like a punch. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. a hard one. Mm -hmm. A hard one. What if somebody listening to this was like, dude, I want to, I want to come, I want to come dry my hand at DNL. Yeah. I want to, I love Florida. I want to be there. Yeah, exactly. What if they were like, dude, well, I'm, I'm, I'm into what you guys are doing, growing material, propagating it, starting it, developing it, finishing it. I'm in. What, what, what does that look like? How do people get a hold of you? How, how would that? Well, the easiest way to contact me is, uh, I wouldn't flood David, uh, you know, the main email with it, but you know, Instagram or Facebook, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it's, it would be, it would be after this year. It wouldn't be this year, but yeah, I gotta, I'll be thinking over the next year or two, how to, what the right kind of position that would be and, and how to compensate someone for it, you yeah. know, and then what the expectations would be. Mm-hmm. Cause it is uh yeah, it's probably real fun six months a year, but then the other six, it's like, I need to move these trees for hurricanes or, Holy crap, I can't open my mouth. I might eat 10 mosquitoes or yeah, it's just any random, those kind of things. So it would be hard. It would be hard for sure. Yeah. Well, you're making it sound for super sure. sexy. Yeah. Well, I just, I got to be honest <laughs> with you. It, it is, out, you know, I don't want to be so glamorous and be like, oh, you just put your oh, shoes on and you have a great day. It's the reality, is isn't it? not what you do. It's the reality of it. Yeah. And I, I, I totally respect that. I think people have this impression of bonsai that it's like, uh, you know, calm, zen, meditation, kumbaya, which anybody doing bonsai knows that that's not true. But like doing it as a profession further reduces its relaxingness. You know what I'm saying? It's like to do bonsai and grow trees. It's just, yeah, there is not downtime really. I mean, there are some months we can kind of just kick around, you know, maybe like November or something, Mm -hmm. you know, but uh, yeah, generally it's not very, it's not what people think it is. Yeah. I'm hyped on it's December. Uh, I'm December is my favorite month of the year now. Used to be my least favorite, now it's my most. Yeah, we don't sell them as gifts or anything, so it's not like, you know, it's slower for us in the in at that time of year because we're not and we don't market them that way, so. Yeah. We're not busy where other places would be shipping trees constantly. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The no. same same for us. Yeah, it's December's a really uh optimal time to to take a little bit of a break, but, um, you know, the value, the, the, the thing that I continue to, and I don't know how you feel about it, but it seems you're in the same boat working on trees still gives me the same peace of mind. You know, it's just carving out the time to work on trees, um, with, with all of the responsibilities. I mean, there's a landscape here too. There's facilities, there's production, there's, uh, there's all kinds of stuff, you know, there's all kinds of stuff to do. There's just a, a lot of responsibilities and it's like, Man, getting to work on trees is still the treat. It's still the treat. It's yeah. it's like it's the reward, it's the carrot, but it's also the job and it's like there are times where I still feel guilty when I'm working on a tree like I'm not doing my job or what I'm supposed to do and then I'm like, "Wait a minute. I thought you were a bonsai professional." I try I try to be. Maybe I don't even know what that looks like. Mr. Kamura, Mr. Kamura straight up worked on trees all day long. 
Unless he was working yeah. in the garden, which he was very passionate about, and I too have found that I like working in the garden and building the garden and whatnot. He he sat in the workshop and as apprentices, we just brought him tree after tree after tree after tree, and he just went super hard on working on trees. I, I haven't figured out that system yet, but I'm I'm certainly looking at that and feeling like ah, I would like to get there. I would like to get there where it's just like sitting there working on trees, making trees. Yeah. I get to do that uh, certain times of the year where I can just take my time and do what I want to do on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do enjoy that time of year. I really, I really enjoy winter because I like working on the deciduous material. Uh, but uh, yeah, I and I like potting trees. Really, you like which is kind of your thing. Yeah, you like potting trees. That's interesting. Are you? Are do you guys pot your tropicals in the summertime? Do you handle tropicals in the summertime in terms of root work? Yeah, uh, you know, the how far I would go would vary on the month of the year, like as far as the hottest time of the year. Uh-huh. I, mean, I wouldn't go so hard right now, but spring, yeah, I would go as hard as I wanted to. Uh, if it was flowering, I'd probably cut them off or something like that. But yeah, generally spring, you know, you can do them again after the peak heat of the year or the heat of the year if you can protect them. Mm-hmm. But uh, just as long as it's a couple months before it cools off yeah. at night. Interesting. Interesting. So when you say in the next year you'd be looking for uh, somebody, what what is happening now? Like what is happening now at DNL? What is the what is the the next year look like? Like in terms of where you're at, where you're going, what you want to be accomplishing or or doing with the facility and the approach. Uh, well, uh, hopefully within the next month or two, uh, one of the students that's going to come on like kind of a weekly basis, uh, everything will start being hand watered. Mm-hmm. Like that's something I've wanted for, for years. Uh, but it, it's, uh, you know, the stuff in the strips can still be overhead, but you know, the entire bonsai area, you know, in the different areas that it is, uh, all hand watered, like, it only makes the humidity and everything worse the overhead and they have to run longer so having that person that's you know that's something definitely accomplished and then uh the website that's that's like number one for me that's got to be done are you uh, doing it or are you just guiding the uh, process no i'm gonna i'm gonna have i'm gonna have that done yeah, yeah i'm gonna have a you know, it's kind of, it's one of those things like you tell people, you know, you're a professional in what you do. Right. So you tell people like, well, I don't know what experience you had before, but you know, we're professionals here. So I'll explain to you what I'm doing. And then it's, so it's like you encourage people to see a professional and then you go home and it's like, I can fix that shit myself, you know? <laughs> and it's like, no, you need to hire a professional. So the website needs to be a professional, somebody that can, you know, it, it's a hard thing to do. Cause you know, I, I want to have the whole DNL story on there. And we, we have so many boxes of photos to go through where it shows the nursery like over the last 40 years. Um, so like that's the biggest part of that is having that history on there because it's generational now. So, uh, you know, having the whole story on there. I don't know how much of an e-commerce part it's going to have. I still prefer to sell trees face to face. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah being able to sign up for courses or year long stuff and do deposits and stuff, you know, just general, just a good modern work, uh, website. That's not incredibly flashy. I like simple. Yeah. Uh, but 
templates, I don't, yeah. So yeah, website, I don't want to go too much into that, but <laughs> website's got to be done. And then uh, the back area of the, you know, behind the greenhouse, you know, where we keep our soils, like just, you know, try to do a different couple sections each year, you know, redoing the nursery, cleaning it up. You know, when I started there, I don't think there was, I think when the ag inspector was coming, we were like, like 1500 trees, you know? So, uh, it's not that I need more space. It's just, uh, I need to make some areas more functional. Mm-hmm. So, uh, use the space more wisely. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's what the next year is looking like. You know, the indoor classroom will come eventually. Uh, but I want to do just the general perimeter of the nursery first. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So. Wow. 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 Isn't it an interesting thing too? You could never buy you could never buy a property that's like, oh yeah, no, I'm just I'm gonna buy that property and it's perfect for bonsai. I like I like have all the facilities already there. Unless you bought a bonsai nursery, like I've thought about this. If I ever sold Mirai, I do think about it from time to time. Like, what the what the hell How would you, somebody you buy this? That? Yeah, like what would somebody buy this place for? And they like, just buy it for the benches and like they could scrap it all out. <laughs> There's so much metal here. Right? A house and benches. <laughs> now that they're all metal, it actually is, is legitimate. It actually is legitimately scrappable. Have you seen the price of raw materials, David? This is what we need to do. Before before we switch to metal benches, uh, they would have been looking at you know some like I would say some moss and lichen covered wood posts in the ground and being like, well, this is this is, this is quite the pain in the. <laughs> Like the function list. So if I buy this, right. do I have to remove all this, or can we like yeah. you know, price that into the yeah. property? Or yeah, can you can you take all of this out? Can you move all of this gravel, please? <laughs> we need all of these posts out of the ground. Exactly. Exactly. We need the, we need the barn gone. I I yeah. have I have a completely different respect and consideration when I put something in concrete now after pulling out every single concrete footing <laughs> for benches that I poured in the first 10 years. I'm like, oh, do I really need concrete for this? It's a commitment. It's for it's I a, use concrete forever. and a dead man. So I'm going to have a hell of a time on mine. Good luck. I'm sorry. Yeah. I am so sorry. Yeah. I bet wood rots so fast where you're at. Uh, Well, uh, if you're hand watering, not so fast. Uh-huh. Because it dries pretty quickly. But, you know, if you're running the water for an hour, then, yeah, it, it will stay wet for quite a while. Yeah. Is that what the misting system looks like? You have it running for an hour? Uh, no, the mister is only for, like, cuttings and air layers and stuff or, mm-hmm. like, newly collected trees. And that basically anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes, like, once an hour, basically. Jeez, you're like a propagation nursery. You're like a a a, a grower, and you're like a finished bonsai artist all at Start once. Start to finish, we do it all. Makes Ira, me know. Ira looks like Jesus coming out of the light. Uh, Is that what that was? That's he. That, no, like you're yeah, you're that like light, light surrounds him everywhere he goes. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. an aura that I've developed over time. We would call him Jesus here, but we have a Jesus already, so we got to just be careful with that. It gets confusing. <laughs> It's nice. <laughs> I gotta ask you. I gotta. Nice. I gotta make a strong pivot. Um, in a little bit about Mirai, and it's like there's so much feature content that we've been posting that yeah. you, that you have you know Hot provided dog. all this amazing information. Like, have you been able to 
check that out? Have you been able to like, have you received feedback from the community? I haven't, I haven't seen all of it. It, uh, usually I don't get free. Usually I, I start at like five, uh, five to six, and then I don't get free until maybe like 9 PM at night. And then I like scramble to catch up on this or that, you know, like commute text and stuff through the day. Sure. And then, yeah, if I sit still for 10 minutes, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> those are your 10 minutes. You I do what you want with those. Up. Huh? <laughs> so those are your 10 minutes. Use them, use them valuable. Valuable. Oh man. You know, if I put Poppy down, sometimes I'll fall asleep. <laughs> like while she's falling asleep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh. Yeah, it's long days, long days. I think everything I've heard has been, the, the response has been really positive. It's, and it definitely fills in a gap of knowledge where people are always asking these questions and it's like, you know, where you're at and what you guys are doing. It's like, that's kind of the Mecca for, for tropicals in the United States. I really like that, uh, that the, the, the Terry, uh, part was in the, she- the chef Lair thing. That's cool. Mm. Uh, the guy was colorblind. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, he liked that a lot. I sent that to him uh, last night. Cool. And uh, for the record, I did invent the word PDO and the question mark. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that comment on YouTube, but a guy said I made I up didn't the word see PDL. that. That's great. I so made up that word and I invented the question mark for the record. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Credit where yeah. credit's due. It's nice, to, it's nice yeah. to have clarity on that. Yeah. 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 It's uh, the, 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 the gap in tropical knowledge that's existed on Mariah Live to date has been a chasm that I just simply was never going to close. Because even if we wanted to, on our very best day and our most dedicated circumstance to create a hothouse that could keep tropicals alive over the wintertime in the Pacific Northwest, there's literally like one month a year we could put them outside and have them do something more than just hang on for survival. So it was like... Uh, It'd be like a sauna. You'd need a sauna. You pretty much do need a yeah. You would need a sauna. Yeah, and and then and then going in there would just be absolutely miserable, because the greenhouse during the summertime would be hot enough, but there's no humidity in there, so it'd be like a desert. Like I've got succulents in there right now that are thriving, lapping up nice. the lapping up the heat, and we used it for the olives. Um, and some of the Mediterranean species uh, in the spring, and it was like super functional, but the relative humidity in there, I'm guessing is probably like in the teens, maybe low 20% right now. So it would be, you know, I think, uh, um, you know, cause one, one thing I wanted to do, uh, I, well, I'll say first, like having more of a heating pad would do more for it than like the humidity really. Cause it's, it's when the roots stay cooler you know, and that's drying out or something like that. That's, that's usually when they'll, they'll slow down. Uh, the humidity, eh, you know, it's, it's good if you want like aerial roots for like ficus or chefalera, but a lot of tropicals, they would generally be fine if they're, if they're, their roots were just at the good temperature mm-hmm. more than anything. Yeah. Um, cause I can pot buttonwoods like when it's 12 degrees outside and just put it on a heating pad, you know, and it might be, the air temperature in the greenhouse might be like 60. So it's really the heating pad that's doing it. Not so much the, you know, ambient air temperature. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It makes sense. I think you probably would have less capacity to evolve and develop the foliar canopy and shape of the tree without that humidity, but maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. It might yeah, look, would, di- it might just look different. Yeah. It would, I think, you know, definitely the lack of UV, you know, the, the more intense sun, I think that would, that'd be the other one. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you had a greenhouse with something that the light funneled through that like kind of beefed it up, like here they have those like solar tubes, uh, maybe that, but it would be a hassle for you for sure. Yeah. No, all of that sounds like a nightmare. Oh yeah, it is. It is. All that I mean, like even, even was keeping them in a greenhouse for four months a year. It's still kind of, it's got its challenges because they have their own damn insects that love greenhouses. Yep. So it's, uh, you know, that's probably the most annoying thing about the greenhouse besides it's staying too humid. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, greenhouse, greenhouse cultivation is its own thing. I took a greenhouse production course in college and uh at cal poly they had like a greenhouse facility that had like tw- uh, probably 12 12 or 16 greenhouses in a chain and some of them were each one of them was a different glazing material because it was a educational uh institution but also there was a, a high crop productivity like cut floral like cut flowers roses chrysanthemums all that stuff they grew they grew a lot of um uh, student enterprise projects in the greenhouses. But the hilarious thing is none of that took priority over greenhouse production class. And so every student had to spend a 24-hour period of time up in the greenhouse facility managing a greenhouse. And we, we had carte blanche to do whatever we wanted, which means like peak heat of the day and it's 90 degrees outside to close all of the vents and see how hot the greenhouse would get. And then like middle of the night and it's freezing cold, you could open it up and see how fast you could cool it down and stuff. I mean, it was like, I can't imagine being somebody who cared about the crop in there because it was just like a bunch of college kids trying to figure out what a greenhouse does, how you use it. Torching plants. Brought devastation to the crops in there every (laughs) every single year. Greenhouse production in the spring. The temp catastrophic failure. Catastrophic failure. Catastrophic failure. And we were Were supposed to like Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, were they like a were they a solid like concrete floor, or were they like a, a dirt floor with a cover? we were both. We had both. We had dark. Oh, we had okay. d- blackout greenhouses for uh, poinsettias, and again, mums are very light sensitive to get them to flower. Um, and then uh, you know, some of them were actively cooled through evaporative cooling pads. Some of them were more passively cooled through bottom and top venting, peak venting, you know, like glazing the glass and seeing how that changed light transparency versus temperature fluctuation. And like we we did it all. It was it was so fun. And also, I just always couldn't help but feel like, man, there is somebody that this matters to and we're kind of trumping their uh the necessity of their growing environment to learn educationally which i completely respect but also what a problem for them like what an unfortunate circumstance they got the it just side. the way they wanted it and oh. then y'all came along uh-huh poinsettias <laughs> just like perfectly ready to bracked out for christmas and then somebody pulls back the dark cloth at the wrong time <laughs> and just destroys the whole crop happened multiple times in the four years i was there wow yeah that's a big thing for colleges here yeah oh i can't imagine yeah, yeah i'm sure huge growers yeah if i don't remember how many tens of thousands they do of poinsettias yeah. yeah 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 that whole thing greenhouse production th- and thinking about greenhouse production and then transitioning into like brussels you know an olive branch brussels bonsai where it's like pretty much greenhouse production of 
bonsai, which is a really challenging, that's a challenging endeavor to produce bonsai in a greenhouse. It's challenging to acclimate bonsai out of a greenhouse. It's like, um, that's a really interesting business model and, and sort of like, uh, pursuit, I think. Yeah. It seems like it'd be a lot of, you know, especially the size that he has. Mm-hmm. I mean, the protection that the trees would get is nice. And mm-hmm. the super high ceilings and all that is like way nice. Yeah. Uh, but the the cost to, to create such a thing, uh, you have to run nonstop to pay for it. You yeah. know, it's like that would be the downside for me. It's like, you know. And when you have something like that, you can't be too personal with each tree. Right. You know, it's got to be how many can be made. Right. Right. So, yeah. I, I like, I, you know, I have one here in my house and then I have, we have the one at the nursery. So, uh, we don't, we don't grow too much in there. You know, we might put cuttings in there, you know, mm-hmm. after they kind of started to root, but, uh, yeah, most of the, most of the year, unless it's winter, it's pretty well empty. Yeah. Which is uh, such a waste of space, honestly. Yeah, because the fans still got to run for the the stuff that's you know remaining in there. So yeah, uh, it doesn't really take that much energy, but it's still um, yeah. You can't really use it; it's too damn hot in there. Too this hot. Time of year. Yeah, yeah. If you have to water, you know, you can keep some stuff in there, but it's got to be in the shaded part of the greenhouse. Wherever there's sun, it's gonna scorch. I feel like this is where like Shinji Suzuki and Nagano, you know, they take the the glazing material, the plastic off the greenhouses every year and then they use the the framework for shade cloth or they just leave it open air and it's like the bonsai never never move, you know, and that's like that's a, that's efficient, that's that's efficient for use of space which in Japan obviously there's less than we have in North America typically in terms of a plot of land and and usable space. So you can't just sort of grossly consume space with unusable uh, unusable structures, but also it's, it's easier on the bone side probably to not be shifted around as much and moved. I, that's one thing I definitely recognize at Mirai, the less we have to rotate trees, we have to shift the garden, we have to adjust things based on season temperature, you know, trees that can't tolerate cold have to go to the greenhouse, trees that can't tolerate full sun have to move to the shady part of the garden or the shade structure during the summertime. Um, but the less that we move trees, the better. That moving every yeah. time you move a bonsai tree, there's a chance of of there's a risk of of catastrophic failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they do get they get very acclimated. Mm-hmm. You know, they get comfortable. You know where they are. Yeah, it's it's just like you trying to sit right in a chair. Once they get comfortable, you'll never get comfortable again if you move it. Yeah, you have to re you know settle back in. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess I haven't thought about that too. I certainly have recognized where there are sweet spots in the garden for certain trees that give them exactly what that tree needs where it's at at that point in time, right? Yeah. Where the roots are at, where the photosynthetic capacity is at, where the heat tolerance is at, where the evapotranspirative cooling is at. It's like, oh, that's the, that's the money ball for that tree right there right now. Yeah. Um, but this place is such a, this place is such, we, we, we rotated uh, the Mary Madison bald cypress today and literally the foliage was like facing like this. Yeah. Like, because the sun in it, where we're at this far North is so the angle of the sun is so radically, uh, down on the horizon compared to uh, someplace farther South. I mean, where you're at, obviously the equator is directly overhead. Um, yeah, it feels that way too. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, 
that's optimal that's optimal phototropic growth right there yeah, but seeing yeah, it's, seeing it's, the thirty degree angle of the foliage towards the sun of this bald cypress going, ah, give me more of that. <laughs> it's like <laughs> just chasing the, a dream. Oh, chasing a dream. Yeah. The only thing that affects it here is, uh, you know, a lot of times people have trees up against things, so it's not so much that it gets shaded out, but there'll be so much radial heat coming off of something from the sun hitting that. Mm -hmm. So it will cause the foliage to almost try to grow away from it. The warmth. Cause it, it, if it's, if it's like sun hitting a wall or, you know, people have like a, you know, like a rock garden or something, it doesn't cool down overnight. Yeah. It stays hot, stays hot all the time. So that affects them. You know, sometimes they'll grow differently that way, even if the sun is right overhead. Yeah. Interesting. Urban shaping. It's, Everybody likes a rock garden, you know, they want like the wall backdrop and stuff. And man, I can play hell on your trees because of that heat bouncing off of it. Straight up. Uh, it's, you know, you, you, open air is, is where it's at, you yeah. know, for, for trees here, for sure. Open air. And uh, I, I've really found we, we put uh, one of the structures from the Japanese garden exhibition I did back in 2016 out in the middle of the, you know, the grassy field kind of out there right. uh, by the container yard. We stuck it out there and that tree is out there just basking in uh, full you know, transpirational field Bliss. grass and the surrounding forest. It's it's like you can literally see the tree smiling. And <laughs> back at Mr. Kimura's, he had put rock on the ground and everything, and Japan is ugh, just so hot and humid in the summertime. But if we needed a tree to turn a more beautiful color, he had Mr. Kimura had this big hedge that divided him and his neighbor next to him that was literally like 15 feet tall. As we had to trim it every year, it was a total nightmare. Uh, but we would put trees up against that hedge and the the you know whatever was happening with the microclimate that was created against that hedge had monumental in, uh, impact and positive influence on trees that mm -hmm. we needed to boost their color for exhibition it was it was pretty fascinating to watch it all happen actually yeah that's what the oak trees are for us it, it might be like 15 degrees cooler under those uh so it's it's way it's good for the trees you know it does trap the humidity in sometimes but mm -hmm. it, if they're under the oaks it doesn't matter if it's a you know a juniper that enjoys more sun everything looks better in that shade you know that it gets in certain times of the day because it's a lot cooler yeah way cooler yeah yeah it makes sense so, makes sense totally logical yeah blocks 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 a lot of the intense stuff yeah yeah so what do you have on the horizon that you're looking forward to? You did a monumental uh, demonstration at the BSF convention. How did that go? Did that meet your expectation? Uh, I, I can't remember half of what, I don't even remember. Like, I may remember like 10% of what I said. Mm. Uh, cause I, you know, it's, um, were you in the zone? Were you in, in, in like a state or were you just trying to, were you just like flow state pants were on fire? Have you ever, have you ever seen the movie old school? Yes. With like Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn and stuff. Maybe yeah. once. So twice. Will Ferrell's like Frank the Tank. Uh -huh. You know, he's kind of like a crazy person in the. Uh, in the, but anyway, when they're trying to save the school, uh, he has to debate James Carvel, like yeah, the yeah. Rage and Cajun. That's great. Yeah. So he, he goes talk. up to debate, and he's a completely different person. He like says all this stuff, and then sorry, I blacked out like, right there. Like blacked out. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how I feel when I do a demo, and when it's over, I'm like, what just happened? I, <laughs> 
what <laughs> you know and i'm like what the hell did i just say like i even did that when i was filming with lonnie and josh i'm like the hell did i just say like who told me that or because i you know a lot of the stuff that i do i'm thinking of it in my head all day yeah i don't always have to say it out loud but when somebody asks me or like doing the demo it's like i don't even know i don't even know where this comes from sometimes it's right. just like uh almost like bottled up and then yeah i just you can only plan so much in a four hour period. Sure. You know, uh, I knew the students, I was more or less allowing them to do the trees, you know, so they could show their, you know, themselves as artists. And then I was leading, you know, more of a Florida kind of program and discussion, but I, uh, feedback was good. Everybody here, it was like the highest attended demo in many years hmm. for BSF. Cool. Uh, they kept running out of chairs. So, you know, and people stayed there the whole four hours, they got up to go to the bathroom and they came back. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and you know, the trees were like the higher auctioned, they, they made the most money at the, at the, at the banquet. So yeah, it was, it was good. You know, I, 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 there's things I wish I would have been, I would have said more of like what, about the trees and stuff like that. Or, you know, there's more Florida history and stuff that I wanted to say, but yeah, I kind of went where the audience took me, and yeah, I'm, I feel good about it. Yeah, it made Dave cry, so I'm stoked. Oh, nice. That's a nice <laughs> so, benchmark. Yeah. yeah, it was happy tears. It was cool. Yeah, very cool. I I uh, I'm super excited that we captured that on film. That will be out. That will be out at some point in the future. We 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 first had to process all the plethora of information oh, yeah. that you it's gave us for tropical content yeah it's still coming out i mean it's uh you you and josh and lonnie cr crushed like they came back and they're like yeah no we did everything and then a few a uh, few other, other yeah, things. everything on the wish list everything yeah. that was like How, how'd the demo go it was great too it was amazing yeah no it's fantastic i was just like wow just capturing that content yeah when you go was, you uh, go you 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 do your thing yeah, you know, it's it's hard to get me to sit down, but if we're if we're doing something in motion, oh, I'll be the last person to say give. Uh -huh. You know, I I'll yeah, I'll I'll keep going until somebody else says stop. Yeah. Generally, I've, unless I have to, you know, do some dad stuff. I've witnessed that. I've witnessed that. Yeah. Speaking of Florida history though, passing a Mary Madison, I think it'd be inappropriate just to uh, you know, to talk with you and catch up with you and not sort of acknowledge we lost a pioneer this yeah. year and that was uh you know we we put out the mary madison podcast where you and her conversed which i thought was really just a spectacular um way for people that didn't have a chance to know mary well on a personal level to know more about her because i think hugely influ influential obviously for you yeah. obviously for me and f i think for a lot of people uh, not only in Florida, but throughout North America. But, you know, like um, Nick Lins passed away, Jerry Morris passed away, Huge. and Mary Madison passed away. And that's a big shift. That's a big shift. And that's a that's a yeah. lot of that's a lot of bonsai history that, um, you know, had the exclamation point of their journey um, sort of lined and dotted this year. Yeah, I uh, I opened the uh, the program with a moment of silence for Mary. Yeah, you know, because she was she was she was always she's a catalyst for an untold amount of things. Yeah. So, and I think I told you this when you were here. Um, 
yeah, I, I like to tell the story of kind of like how, like when Mary died, because it is so Mary. Mm-hmm. But uh, so two weeks before Mary died, uh, she tells her her kids, she's like, hey, I want you to put me in hospice. And they're like, mom, you you can die here. You don't have to go to hospice. And she's like, I'm not trying to die in hospice. Like, I want to go. I want you to go collect the trees that I want. So I want you to put me in hospice <laughs> awesome. for five days. Go collect all the trees that we, you know, the buttonwoods that she had wanted collected. Uh-huh. And then she said, come get me after you get the trees. So they put her in hospice. She goes to hospice for a week. They go collect the trees. They they bring her back to the house. She looks at the trees. She sees the trees. She's stoked. And then uh, she starts descending and, you know, to where she passes away. But it's like she had to get those damn trees home. Uh, she, you know, she wanted to live for the convention cause she never missed one. And then she wouldn't go until those, those trees were there. So, you know, yeah, 91 years old has no reason to prove herself or anything. And she still has to get those trees. She still has to get them. Yes. So you didn't tell me that. I had cool. no idea. I had no idea. Yeah. That's insane. He's Mary's gangster. Gangster. OG. <laughs> no doubt about it. I feel like Mary Mary crossed so many generations of boneside practitioners in North America because, you know, John Naka passed away in the early 2000s. And Mary was there when John Naka was really sort of just beginning to travel and teach in North America. She was there through all of that expansion. She was there after, you know, John and a lot of his... Uh, students and colleagues around him passed away she was there to see europe come up come down with the ginkgos come back up she you know saw the the ebb and flow of the tide of of japanese bonsai professionals coming to japan and then sort of japanese trained professionals coming back to the united states and she was always revered by every single one of those not categories but genre of bonsai practitioner she was always at the top you know for yeah. for for her character for her charisma for her talents for her tenacity for her passion it was like there are very few people that can walk and bridge all of those different cultural components generational components uh and she did it so well she was just an ambassador you know she she never let any of them know that she was intimidated, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that intimidated them. You know, I think that was, you know, Mary would crack a joke or something when other people would be like, oh, can I, you know, too afraid to speak to someone, right. you know, she's an icebreaker. So right. yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think anybody could handle her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they knew how. Yeah. How fortunate, how fortunate to have had somebody like that. Uh, to inform and influence us, David. Oh, she's, she's, uh, and Terry, you know, they're still collecting, you know, she, she beefed up, you know, where they keep the trees and everything. Like uh-huh. she's taken it a step further than Mary, you know, she, she vended it at BSF. She's still shipping trees around the country. So good for her. Uh, it's, it's staying a family business. That's great. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. How 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 informed or influenced were you by Nick Lenz, if any? Did you? Oh, he is. Uh, uh, I you know, you know, I you know, I can speak in front of like a, a crowd and stuff, but in, in reality, like you know, we all know how much I use social media. Like not that much, you mm-hmm. know. And 
you know, our, our nursery is 100% walk-in traffic and that's sustained us for decades. And uh, so I like that hermit that Nicklin's was like, mm-hmm. I kind of see myself as, you know, I can go out and be a part of the crowd, but I, you know, I'm more of the hermit introvert type, even if I can just run my mouth nonstop, you know, <laughs> and, you know, he, he was into all sorts of art and, you know, mixed media and stuff. I think he saw bonsai, you know, I never met Nick. I, I had the opportunity, um, but it would have been later this year. Um, so I missed that. But uh, yeah, I think I like, I see, you know, bonsai is a Japanese word. You know, when I see bonsai, you know, what it is for me is not just like this particular art form. It is in itself, no particular medium. It's a mixed medium, a hundred percent. You're using a living component, possibly a dead component, all different types of organic components. Like maybe you use something that's printed, painted. It's the whole thing is mixed media, you know? So I can't just see a tree. I see every other thing about it. And that's what interests me. You know, it just happens to be bonsai. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, I assume that's how he kind of saw it. That's why he played around a lot and did this, did that. He grew stuff. He collected stuff. You know, he liked to make pottery, he liked to work with clay, did woodwork, you know, and I kind of, you know, that's kind of how I see myself as like, I, I like all these components. I liked the mixed media aspect of it, not just. This is this particular art form with rules. I see horticultural rules. I don't so much see bonsai rules unless I'm right. trying to intentionally succumb to a style, you know, for this for the purpose of judging or something. But other than that, it is mixed media. It is free. There are rules to the tree, but everything else, like, well, it's it's like you say, it's it's doing it well. It's not a right thing. So, as far as Nick, oh my gosh. That's kind of how I saw him, and I don't know. I don't. I don't see myself doing one particular part of it. I see it as I like it all the same stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I wish I could have met him. You know, would he have that conversation with me? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, the people that I know that have met him, you know, if you asked him for a photo, he's like, "Why? Why do you want a photo? You have one right here." You know, he didn't necessarily want to take one. So mm-hmm. uh, he's definitely a little more out there than me. But yeah, I. I find great pleasure in the stuff that he's done. It's it's inspiring to me for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that you make that correlation of the mixed media cuz I guess I guess I haven't I guess I hadn't thought about. It. I obviously I knew he made the ceramics and when we podcasted with David Crust, he was like, "Look, Nick's trees came off so well, not only cuz the tree was fantastic, but because he had made the perfect container for it. Like he had made he could make yeah. and his Nick's ceramic work was not any less quality than the best ceramicist in the Western world right now. I mean, he was an absolute, absolute top-notch ceramicist, as well as a top-notch bonsai practitioner from the perspective of using trees as a medium. That's interesting. Well, I don't know. You're going to have to grow a third arm or like something if you're going to get into (laughs) ceramics too. I don't really know how all of this, uh, I don't know how you get it all done, but well, that's the thing is I, you know, my started my life uh, painting and drawing. So, uh, you know, typically I don't participate in displays because uh, I don't care how long it takes for my vision to come true. Mm-hmm. I'll wait, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, you know, making my own stands, making, you know, if I am going to use some sort of background thing, 
uh, my own containers and then the trees that I'm growing or collecting. I'm, yeah, I'm all about that. That's cool. Uh, that's, that's, you know, would I sell pottery? You know, I might make something for people that I want to make it for, but uh, it's not an endeavor that I want to take on professionally. But I, I, I would strive to make a professional quality pot, mm-hmm. but just not to sell them professionally. Makes sense. Um, and the same thing with stands. You know, people hand carve root stands. I got collected material that is legit roots and that would hold up trees because I've been collecting that stuff for so long. So I could use something actually natural rather than, than making it necessarily like or hand carving roots. So, yeah, I think, you know, when the next artisan's cut rolls around, who knows what else I'll submit. We'll see. Hey, yo. Hey, Gotta now. have one. For hey, now. Easy now. Hey, now. Don't talk like that here. Put some pressure on. <laughs> Don't talk like that here. You know, I definitely, you know, I am, I'm absolutely for, if I'm to participate in any kind of show, I definitely, uh, it would be one that had a rubric. Yeah. You know, because I, 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 I think that is, uh, the only way to be unbiased mm-hmm. and and for the sake of putting all your heart and soul in something, it makes it feel like it was worth all the effort because the effort was respected, mm-hmm. you know, by having the clarity. So that's usually why I've never really participated in stuff is I'm not so big on the, you know, this judge has more experience. So it's kind of like he likes this and no one's going to argue with him, you know, so. Yeah, I, I'm all for the rubric stuff. That would be where I would participate. Yep. I'd want to know why. It's not a matter of winning and losing. It's just, well, how can you approve based on why you didn't do better or something? Yep. So you need a rubric for that. I agree. I agree. I completely agree. It'll be really, it'll be interesting to see how the Pacific Bonsai Expo goes down. Uh, I'm not totally clear on how the judging takes place, but certainly for the Artisan's Cup, that was judge the judging. If you're going to judge... It was like I'd seen European systems in Belgium and Italy and uh, a few other European countries, and and I was very aware of the Japanese system because Mr. Kimura was a judge, and he m- made it very clear how the judging went down and how they assessed the judging both for the juring process as well as for the Kokufu show selection process, um, which is, is quite an advanced judging methodology. There's just... You know, unfortunately, a lot of politics that went into the judges' uh, opinions as well. <clears throat> but um, I feel like you know where we got with the Artisans Cup rubric was was super solid. And you know, Bill Valvanis has had like a, a I would say a elevated judging system for a yeah. long time in his symposiums prior to the national shows. And I don't know what the judging criteria for the national shows are now. Um, you know, based on or compared to when they began, but certainly putting intentionality because people too put too much time into bonsai to make it an opinion of something of what some person who's been assigned as an expert likes or dislikes. You know, it, it can't right. be that. That's not fair. If you have to drive it so many hours and spend, you know, maybe if you're in Florida, maybe you spend three months getting the perfect bloom cycle and, mm-hmm. you know, for it just to be so casual, you know, I don't necessarily need like a lengthy explanation, but you know, oh, you deserve that. I mean, yeah, if you you know, you should be able to. I think every you know, judge I don't has know to if, give that. Yeah, I don't know if some some don't want to be in the hot seat or or what, but yeah, I think it is. I think people generally like to know, and I think it makes people less hostile mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to feeling like they got gypped or something. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I we made the we took the paywall down on the Artisans Cup site, so anybody can go in and listen to the the five judges audio yeah. critique of of each piece. You know, and nobody nobody really. I don't think anybody really uh, talks about that or uses that anymore. But I, I periodically. I'll think about a tree. There'll be a discussion that comes up, live Q&A, forum Q&A, talk with classes or something. I'll go back onto the Artisans Cup website and and listen to David Groot's critique of David Crest's piece. I listened to that again after we podcast podcasted with David, especially knowing that David Crest never intended that composition to be shown publicly. That made it all the more special. Um, and David Groot's critique of that, I think, is really what uh, that was the most elevating piece of the Artisans Cup judging in terms of of taking bonsai to an art, you know, from my perspective was Dave DeGroote's perspective of that. And now you see, I don't know if you've seen pictures of Dave DeGroote's retrospective at PBM right now. It's good. <laughs> I mean, the guy, the guy is is pushing the envelope, has been at, oh, yeah. in his curatorial position at PBM, now his own personal body of work, getting some public play. And you see the walk like he, an Egyptian Hinoki or you see the Redwood. So I never I never even knew Arch that was in America. Cool. I always assumed that was in China. Yeah. And then when I saw that it was his, I'm like, damn. Because yeah. I first met him when he was still curator. Yeah. That was the first year I came to Mirai. And, uh, yeah, what a, you know, it's the quiet ones you got to watch, man. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. Quiet, yep. quiet geniuses. Yep. You yeah, know, D- Dave, in, in the solitude of his backyard, none of that was ever at PBM either. Like, that's, and that's what I'm saying with you. You, you spend all day at DNL, but you have a thousand trees in your backyard that you <laughs> somehow water and what continue to like, that's just bonsai mania. That's like, uh, well, D- David Easterbrook so, used to do that too. He maintained Montreal and then he would go home and he had like 700 trees in his backyard at home. It was just like, God, dog. well, it's not, it's not just that. Uh, so in the Florida demo, I explained the body farm. You ever heard of the body farm? I think it's in Tennessee. No. You know what this is? Nope. So the body farm is uh, it's a place where people donate their bodies to science and they use them for like investigative work where they literally put corpses out in this this property uh, and different scenarios of decay. And they study the fly, you know, they study everything to be able to determine how to crack cold cases and stuff like that. You know, it, um, so. You know, at my house, uh, for five years, I have done almost like a um, like a study of trees and just trying to, you know, I put them in different scenarios from different species. You know, some I have not fed in five years. They have not been potted. You know, I have stressed them in different species for water, for, for nutrition, you know, too much UV exposure, not enough, like to see how the leaves fluctuate. I've put them through, I've put hundreds of trees through this. Some of my, in, in cases, oldest trees of like my personal, you know, things that I first started with. Um, and I did this for five years trying to figure out how do you grow lichen, you know? And so it was to be able to visually understand the different levels of decay and decline and how to identify it, mm-hmm. but then also to how to repair that once it gets there. You know, I could rely on, say, you or Dave, you know, oh, Dave and Ryan said that this is what this when this leaf looks like this, it's because of X, Y and Z. Uh, and then, you know, if you have insects that look like this for these trees, you know, I could just rely on you guys or I could literally test those theories. 
you know, and the way that I explained this in the video was uh, when I first studied at Mariah, the very first week, um, I can't remember what the question was, but you had asked me a question. It was like me, John and Gerardo and stuff sitting there. And I, I answered you, but it was like a pretty brief answer. And uh, because I was in school, you looked at me and you're like, that's not good enough. And I'm just like, and I, I wasn't like offended or upset. In my mind, I heard, you need to explain that better, you know? So mm. I kind of went home with that attitude of like, all right, I will make sure the next time that I answer one of these questions, it will be good enough. And not necessarily for you, but just, you know, it's the importance of explaining something. Yeah, for you. So, doing the body farm thing at my house and putting these trees over different species through all these scenarios, figuring out how to fix it. Like, you know, I, I couldn't do that at the nursery because there'd be one corner of the nursery and be like, what the hell is going on over here? Like these trees don't look so good. So I had to do that at my house, but I didn't tell Dave and I didn't tell my family. So I think for five years, my family was coming over going like looking at my trees, like, I don't, I don't think he's going to make it. <laughs> You know, these look pretty bad, right? And, uh, you know, it'd be a business mix model. Of, right. <laughs> he's going to make it run as a bonsai like, professional, but good. his trees look like they're going to die. Developing these right. things strictly for the uh, frame model. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's a, yeah, body farming that way. Uh, but, yeah, it was able, it was, I was able to figure out how, you know, how to, to grow lichen on its own and how bad that can be for trees because a lot of times people have that on their trees here, you know, and, how does it develop? Why does it develop and stuff? You know, I learned a lot from doing it. So hmm. the five years is up now that I've done the demo for Florida. So that's kind of my basis of what I'm teaching stuff is I'm not just parroting what Ryan or Dave told me. I'm, I'm literally like, I have seen this firsthand. I know how it got there because I have caused it. And then I have had to fix it and revive it. So I can basically write a prescription for you in, in, a, in a way to kind of describe like, how to to get your tree turned around or something. So I couldn't see going to demos and giving demos and somebody asking you a question and being like, well, I think it's this or, you know, you know, saying what you know may be true, but you still don't know it from experience, you mm -hmm. know, because someone you trusted told you yep. that still in that way wasn't good enough for me. Yeah. You know, so I didn't take it. Uh, yeah, I didn't take it to heart. It didn't offend me when you said that, but the way that I also explained it too was, does your shirt read a certain way on purpose? You know, it says Mirai Pioneers of American Bonsai, but are you intending that to say future Pioneers of American Bonsai? Because that's the way that I've read it since I started studying there, because if Mirai means future, then it's future Pioneers of American Bonsai. So I always took that very literally on, you know, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to make a living and people are going to entrust me with things that are very valuable to him, then it needs to be good enough. What I say, not good enough for, you know, this certificate, that certificate, but the, the honest truth of something that you've done and you have experience with, like, that's what I need to teach. Mm. And if I haven't done it, then I need to say that out loud or at least direct people to someone who has, you know? So yeah, I don't know if you're sure intentionally says that, but that's the way that I've always read it. Of so, course it says it intentionally. I took it literally. Of course it says that intentionally. Well, you know, I but I, I just I couldn't remember if like I'd ever heard you say it or or maybe I just read it that way because, you know, you know, back when I, you know, I don't know if you still do, but when you studied back then, you got kind of like a paper with like kind of 
it's almost like your commitment you're signing up to or whatever, like you're going to be there and do the information and do the work. Right. So yeah, I took it real literally, you know, uh, right down to the shirt and what it said. So that's kind of, uh, you know, doing the program and, you know, or juggling all these trees or doing the body farm kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was just to, uh, not kick the can down the street and own the information that comes out of my mouth and not just be like, well, someone told me, you know, but actually yeah. mm-hmm. do it. So that's, that's, yeah. that's awesome, man. That's, that's, that, I think that's the, I think that's the difference because there's levels to the game. Right. And that's the difference. That's the difference of the upper, upper tier in my mind. That's what separates, that's what separates somebody who's good from somebody who's great is, is having, having been through the battles the 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 many battles that all equal you know a, a greater journey or the war of of trying to execute an aesthetic and contextual representation or dialogue with the medium of miniaturized trees and the war is the horticultural anomaly of the bonsai practice in an artificial and confined environment to be able to visually convey you know because otherwise otherwise it doesn't have the power it doesn't have the mobility it doesn't have the uniqueness uh if it's just in a nursery can or a box or a large planter or the ground it's a different thing at that point in time it's weird how that confined environment uh changes people's mentality about it and its ability to generate some sort of powerful notion or connection yeah but it uh horticulturally is a nightmare it's a total nightmare oh yeah yeah. And it is, you know, you know, people think like, well, why does it take six years to do like an apprenticeship? It's like, that's only six summers, man. It's like yeah. six winters. Like you only did it six times. Calm down, you know? Yep. So, you know, people are like, why does it take so long? You know, I'm going to quit my job now. And it's like, you better start doing this part time, you know, because <laughs> even then <laughs> two years for one year, even at part time, you know, it's a lot to absorb. Exactly. You know. The only thing I couldn't do is I tried everything. I could never give myself spider mites. That's the only thing I'm disappointed about. I have tried. I have never had them in this area. I can't. I even check people's trees trying to like, oh, hey, man, it's the only thing I couldn't get. You just need to load your trees up with more salt. It'll take care of it right away. Yeah. 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 More salt, more salt, more potassium, more magnesium, more chloride. And, uh, Let's see, potassium, magnesium, chloride, and sodium. You get 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 some more of that. You start pumping them full of like, uh, start pumping them full of uh, super super potent unfiltered kelp and unfiltered fish emulsion, and you'll get plenty of spider mite. I'm not I'm not knocking fish and kelp at all, but I'm just telling you, right, right. That's how you get spider mites. If you really want them, David. If you really want to complete the body farm, that'll do yeah. it. That'll do it for you. Yeah, I've, I, that's the only thing I haven't been able to haven't been able to play with yeah and i yeah i am i am almost disappointed that i haven't you know because it's everybody thinks that they have those the first anytime a juniper changes they're like i think i have spider mites and they go into crisis panic mode it's always a spider mite thing because the internet's just like that's the only thing that ever pops up the most so yeah i've oh i've tried to find it everywhere i've gone and i haven't come across anybody with it unbelievable uh that's a that's a good that's a good problem to have and i would say you might regret asking for it i'm just telling you well i mean it would be it would be contained it wouldn't be like i wouldn't put them out there with all my junipers growing 
they would be isolated. But yeah, I would I would be curious. Uh, trying to contain spider mites, like trying to contain COVID. Well, that's what I mean. I I would keep it at my property, which would be you know, mm-hmm. it they would be nowhere near like the vast majority of any cuttings or any of that stuff growing. It would growing be like, it it would it would hitch a ride on your hand. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I wouldn't isolate. I, I, you know, would if if and when we get spider mites at Mirai, because it periodically happens. I, I hope every single year that we don't deal with it. But uh, I don't. I don't quarantine. I don't quarantine for it just because of the simple fact that it's like if if I see it on one tree, it's already been here long enough to be on everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, but Ira, Ira I has notice it. Ira is uh, Ira's like the ghostbuster of spider mites. We went hard yeah. in Vegas. It was like spider mite fest deluxe down there. Yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys got a lot of spider mite. That action. was kind of the main thing we dealt with. Nothing else really, but like spider mites. That was just like the internet said, David. It was all over the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I got to ask you about, I keep staring at this uh, Deadwood frame behind you, and you said that was the second one that you'd ever made, and I know that we have some here, and I think you're bringing some more out when you come out this fall, right? Yeah, I'm bringing the one that uh, Lonnie filmed, the actual. Oh, Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, It's, you know, it's like seven feet. That's the main reason I didn't ship it, because it's just like, you know let that be for who gets it you know sure. uh the crate and everything I mean, this is big it's it's not little good you know it's it's not like wide it's just it is probably well it's not probably in my opinion it's like the coolest freaking pine that randy had and it has a stone that the tree grew around that's in it yeah it's, whoa I, yeah, when 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 I when I had all those trees brought back, it was kind of like, hmm, which one do I start with? And from the time that I was loading the trailer out there, I was just looking at that one; it just stuck with me. So mm. that that had to be the one. So that's the one that Lonnie filmed. Cool. You ever take yeah. a day off? What the hell is that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> curious. I mean, I even if I am off, I feel too guilty for being off, so yeah. I can't sit still. Yeah. There's always something you know, to do. Uh, something to water or something that there's all you can't get away from watering yeah. at least, right? I'm still catching up from being out. Uh so yeah, you know, if I was all caught up then yeah, I would I would take a day here or there. But mm-hmm. you know, I there I'll be caught up by August twenty seventh because I head your way August twenty eighth. So I'll be caught up by then. That way That's when so I'm exciting. gone, nothing that needs to be done. Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. Wait, am I going to be here? You get back the same day he. You gets get back here. when I arrive. Oh, phew, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm still trying to catch up to my own schedule. Yeah, Ryan's <laughs> in like 18 different continents on a planet of seven continents yeah. somehow this yeah. year. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah, try. We, to, we get back. We get that. there the same day. You have a co-pilot. Is Katie coming with you? No, I'm actually bringing uh, my nephew. He he gra- he's turned 18. He graduated high school, so uh-huh. he's going to see the whole country before he starts his life. Hallelujah! Cool. Yeah, get that yeah. Nor- get that North American vibe under your under your belt. Plus, pretty damn strong, and I have a lot of trees, so he'll be a good help too. Let's go! Yes, <laughs> David Cutchins making Body the trip, system. the journey. Yeah. Now it's going to be hot as all get out when you are driving across the country at the end of August. Well, you know, depending on the type of year, so uh, I'll I'll go straight up. 
I basically go to Chicago first. Uh-huh. Um, so I go all the way up north and go over. If I if I come out in April, then I'll go all across the south and up. Yeah. Um, but this time of year I go I go across the Dakotas. Across the Dakotas, you do that Montana trip? I love it. Oh, so Holy good, crap, right? I love that drive. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? Well, I, I, I like I-90s Wyoming and Utah. Like I've gone like four different ways cross country and man, I don't know how people have so many like opinions about people they've never met or places never been because God, they are missing out and mm-hmm. they are so wrong. Mm-hmm. Like if you get out there and you drive it, holy cow, you know, people just take for granted what's out there. It's incredible. Huckleberry pie. Oh, it's so dope. <laughs> I, I, I like That's driving That's my Montana it. memory. Oh, well, yeah. Which ones are, are you Carol? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Carol? Are you Carol? You're Carol, <laughs> you right? Carol? <laughs> no, <laughs> we went to Glacier this, uh, maybe a month ago or something. And I didn't realize the huckleberry was such like a big phenomenon that it's like, it's a single berry and it's super labor intensive to collect them. So it became like a super expensive, uh, you got some huckleberry jam. I brought you back some. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. It's fantastic. But we had I also got some bonsai brewing. Project uh, yeah. Sheriff John Brown Ale brought That's you right. back a growler. God, it was tasty. What a good Super soldier. tasty. Yeah. Yeah. I got the yeah, growler I, uh, in my room now. I, I, um, it is, I've never been to Glacier. That's somewhere I've always wanted to go. Me too. Um, but yeah, Montana, I drove across Montana the last time I came out and wow. Pretty it's, epic. It's amazing. Big this sky. this time when I go through Vegas, I'm gonna I'm, I want to go see Methuselah. I've never seen it. Uh, the White Mountains, the oh. the bristle cones and stuff. So I'm way stoked to go there. Worth the trip. Wait, are you going there after uh, or before you come to Mariah? After, yeah, way after. Hmm. Yeah, I'll go down through California. He's going south and after here, working his way back to California, then cutting through Vegas. September's. September is pretty full, huh? Yeah. I don't know. We we find a way to squeeze things. <sighs> Dang it! I, I, I want to go to the Bristle so, Cones with you. That would be fun. Yeah. Oh man! I uh, God, so gonna I'm going to leave when I leave Mariah. I'm going to hit Crater Lake, and then I'm going to go to the Redwoods National Park. You know, I don't know where Hyperon is, but um, I, I've never seen the Redwoods there in Northern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll hit San Francisco, L.A., and then assuming it's not still burning uh sequoia and then vegas white mountains the 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 coastal redwoods you're gonna find is gonna be a significant zigzag in your driving adventure but i i fully support it it. because if you're gonna go crater lake coastal redwoods uh white mountains of california you're going back and forth across california uh twice yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have yeah. a cousin that's in, uh, was it Visalia, Visalas, or Visalia. I don't know how you say it. Mm-hmm. Visalia. Yeah, Visalia. I have a cousin <laughs> that, that lives awesome. there. So, uh, she's like a year older than me, so I'll get to see her new kid. And uh, I am sh- I think my nephew's met her. I'm not, I'm not sure. Hmm. She left Florida and stayed gone. She's the only other one in my family that was like, peace, <laughs> except I came back. Yeah. Visalia's happening, man. Visalia is pretty yeah. cool, actually. Yeah, I used to, I used to go in college. I, I had a buddy in Visalia. I'd, I'd cruise out there, and we'd do bonsai on the weekends. He, he was like a, you know, he had a legitimate job and home and family, and you know, I was just living in dorms and like the back of my truck. 
And so uh, it was always nice to go like have a home cooked meal and exist in uh, an air conditioned space and do bonsai uh, somewhere other than um, somewhere other than the back of my truck. Right. But yeah, I'm I'm way excited for the White Mountains. Way excited. It's going to be so hot, and the sun is going to be so intense up there in September. It's going to be just right. It's going to melt your face. Florida without the humidity. 13,000 feet of elevation. Actually, you're probably like right around 11,000 when you're in the bristle cones. It is high, high elevation for North America anyways. Yeah, I, the, I've, I've done, uh, I bicycled down Pikes Peak. I did mm-hmm. that one time. Oh, so and you then, saw the uh, bristle cones up there. And then, yeah, I've been up to Mount Evans. Mm-hmm. uh and seen them up there outside denver yep yep uh yeah. the white mountains dwarf anything that happens in colorado in regards to bristle cones that's, that's why i gotta go yeah I, I i you know it's like you know you see the biggest the tallest and the oldest mm-hmm. tree you know and you can see them in basically one state yep it's amazing uh, and uh yeah if i lived in california um yeah i don't know how i would not be out there all the time Oh, yeah, That's a good I, question. I guess you'd probably good be ho- hoping they wouldn't weren't burning like all of us, you know. Yeah, that was. Uh, they saved them though. They saved. They saved uh, Yosemite. Thank God. Yeah, it looked like Sherman got saved too in Sequoia. I think they had that wrapped up. Yeah, the bigger the bigger tragedy would have been losing the grizzly giant in the Mariposa Grove of Yosemite. That's that's a standalone. Yeah. That's a standalone giant sequoia, the likes of which it do, another one does not exist anywhere. It's it's truly it's truly a very special ancient tree. Whereas General Sherman is old and big, but it's not. It doesn't have a, it doesn't have a character. It has a name. It has a uh, a label of what it is. But grizzly giant in the Mariposa Grove is, is a, is a freaking giant sequoia. It's like, it's, it's closer in my mind, character wise to the bristle cones of the white mountains than it is to general Sherman based on its branching and its shape and everything else. I have seen general Sherman, so I could just shift it to Yosemite then. Uh, What I would, what I would suggest you do if you want to do the dream trip is to go crater Lake over to, uh, the coastal redwoods, wherever you want to see them, but I would definitely recommend Prairie Creek. And then I would head back across to Yosemite from Prairie Creek. I would see the Mariposa Grove, and then I would go up over Tioga Pass, see the ancient Sierra Junipers on Tioga Pass, which would take you over to the east side on 395 and put you an hour north of Bishop, which is where the bristle cones are. Nice. That would be, that would is be, is that the one that you took, uh, um, uh, Thor and Stefan. So we we didn't go see the coastal uh we didn't go see the coastal redwoods although we had thought about it we just didn't have the time so we went over we drove by Crater Lake but it was uh we just didn't have the time to go to Crater Lake and we went straight down to the Bristle Cones we spent an evening and then all next day in the Bristle Cones and Tioga Pass opened a week later than when we were there so we went up over Sonora Pass which is which is still awesome which is still awesome and still has gigantic ancient Sierra junipers on it um but Tioga nice. Pass is really special uh nice. as far as as far as like uh, another space in the Yosemite sphere but I, I think Yosemite is probably one of the most impressive places on earth. So the more time that you get to spend in Yosemite, the better your life will be. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, 
I try to, if I'm going to drive all the way out west, I try to hit as many parks and as natural things as I can. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, I, it, you know, it's amazing. You could drive around the entire country and spend less money than people will spend in five days at Disney World. Sure. Between their hotels and everything. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how people think they, like they could never do something like that or never drive somewhere. And it's like, well, you, you could, you know, <laughs> you could, it's a choice. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, and you wouldn't be as stressed out from that as you would be going to like a city vacation where you're like having to hit a time or a fast pass and you're constantly looking at the clock all day. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, um, Katie and I have been a lot of places just, you know, even, even our wedding honeymoon, we're like, don't buy us nothing. You can put $5 or a hundred dollars in a card. We're just going to go on vacation. You know, we're just, we spent a week driving 10 days, driving around Colorado, you know, so camping and, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it, I, I love driving out there. People are like, man, you're going to spend five days there and five days back. And I'm like, actually, I'm going to spend 14 days there and 14 days back. Cause I'm going to do other stuff. Yeah. I'm going to drive, you know, everywhere that I can. So That's yeah, great. It's, I love driving out there. It yeah. doesn't stress me out carrying the trees or anything. Huh. I think of them as like kids. They need a, they need a, a break and they need some, you know, opening the back of the trailer is like letting them stretch your legs. Uh-huh. You know, I, <laughs> I, I like the journey, man. It's sweet. That's funny. That's great. Opening the back of the trailers, going potty. Right. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm excited for you to come out. That's going to be really, really a good time of year too. Hopefully, typically early September is when the the crisp fall air has begun at Mirai, and that's even if it's yeah. hot. Like you know, right now, 80 degrees at this point in the year, 85 degrees, 90 degrees at this point of the year. The sun temper, the color temperature is different. The air has the summer heat in it, you know, so there's not any coolness in it. But man, when you get September, even when it's 100 degrees, but the breeze is cool, that's a totally different thing. And the sun is at a position in the sky where it's just so much less aggressive. Uh, The Pacific Northwest in spring and fall is is ultimately why people live here, I think. Well, it's kind of like a, uh, I mean, I'll I'll have a thing here with my family, but... uh... I also like to, well, it's kind of like going to New York for nationals. Mm-hmm. It's always when it's my birthday. So I'll turn 40 when I'm out there. Holy smokes. What's, what, what day's your birthday? It's the ninth. I turn uh, 40 oh, on the night. Oh, my beautiful. gosh. Yeah. Wow. David Cutchins turning 40 at Mirai? Yeah. Sheesh. Yep. Get your popcorn ready. Sheesh. I mean, it's 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 like the best time for me to drive out there, but it just worked out because I would be gone for three weeks this time. Uh-huh. that I would be there at that time. So it wasn't, it just, it happened that way. But uh, yeah, I, I figured if I had to go a couple of days this way or that way, I'd rather spend it while I'm there rather than on the highway. Love it. So sure. I love it. That's so cool. 40. That'll be fun. That'll you be know, fun to man. celebrate with you. We'll make sure you do some great content for us that day. The entire day will work you like a dog on your 40th. Yeah. I'm yeah. That. We'll cut out at 8 p.m. instead of 10 p.m. <laughs> on your birthday, just so that we can be sure that you get a piece of cake. Yeah, these uh these buttonwoods are pretty pretty sweet. Are they? <laughs> yeah, that's uh. Are you ready yeah, for them? There might be five on their way here. Oh Who knows? Oh my gosh! Oh my god! It made more sense when we lived in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Mariah might have that sauna coming after all. <laughs> well, I mean, even if it's uh, you know, even if you had to do something with them, they can be they can be done, and then yeah, they can go back in the truck and deliver it somewhere else if it if it happens that way. Because yeah, when you were in Vegas, it was a totally different story. Yeah, we were talking like all the time about it. It was like I'm still stoked about it. We're we're we're, we're fired up to see the Buttonwoods. We'll figure, see we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah, those were the well, last. Be an opportunity were, there. Those were from Mary's last trip that she went. Oh my God! Well, I mean, now we Come got on, to now. now we have it for no. crying out loud. Oh, teaser, Jeez. teaser. You're gonna have a sauna house inside of the greenhouse now. Have to build another structure. Add it to the list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The tropical house. Have a right. humid a humidifier at all hours of the day plus. <laughs> You know, a you know, I am curious. You've been to obviously BSOP. Like, how many people have tropicals out there? I know they are there. Yeah, I don't. You know, people people have tropicals for sure. There's no doubt about that. There's a lot in the north. Yeah, I think Jerry Myslick up in uh, up in Whitefish, Montana, actually. Uh, isn't that where he's at? Whitefish? Correct. Yeah, yeah, Correct. Yeah. yeah. That 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 guy's like written the book on on really cold climate, tropical growing, indoors, lights, environment. He's a legend in that area because his house glows at night, you know, with his, all of his greenhouse well, stuff going. So well, it's it's doable. I know it's doable. We'll have a lot to talk about because I'm gonna stop uh in Whitefish on my way there. Oh, you're serious. Awesome. Well, you you pick Jerry's brain. And then we'll do our best to cob together uh, a sufficient greenhouse for these historic trees. Plus, well, I've, got, I just, I've got some ficus and stuff that I really would like to not watch decline to the degree they decline every winter. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I, I like to talk about him uh, because uh, I think when he wrote his books, he was in Michigan, and then he moved to Montana. So 100% artificial light. You know, when I have someone in Florida, it's like, I just can't do this. I'm like, have I told you about this guy named Jerry who has 100% artificial light, but you live in Florida? Like, and then I just kind of look, you know? Yeah. And then they get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you can do this because he's totally inside and he wrote the book on it. Uh So you, you can do this outside. Yeah. Literally wrote the book on it. Literally. literally Yeah. Yeah. It has a book that he wrote. And it's, it is a good, it's a great book. Like. You know, uh, a lot of what I say in programs is uh, uh, it it doesn't always show necessarily my knowledge. It shows my ability to read because it's not like a lot of these things have been like lost. You know, people just look at too many pictures. They don't read like that. It's and the other thing I noticed, too, like because I'm I'm like a running survey all the time. I'm always kind of watching things and how they function or whatever. And, and you know, a lot of artists that have kind of. Um, you know, me and Mary talked about this as she got older. A lot of the things that she was hardcore adamant about you know, in her earlier career, she just didn't do anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, you know, just I, I guess you could say, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Kobayashi, like he has that very lax juniper. It's a it's an amazing juniper, but it's not very strict the way the pads are. It's just kind of free, mm-hmm. almost like a Dan Robinson kind of thing, you know, and uh, I've noticed that with a lot of artists, like even the ones that were in Jerry's, you know, when he was hot and heavy in the beginning and stuff that did these technical things this way but as they've gotten older they don't do them anymore when they were like a career of this is the way it's got to be done you know and it's, it's a weird thing to watch uh the transition in in artists as they get older in that way um 
yeah, because a lot of the things Jerry was saying when the book came out, like, you know, I, I've seen it in Martha Goff's book here. And the people that even have photos in those books, they don't even do the trees the same way anymore as, as far as the same techniques. It's, I don't know. I don't know how that happens, but it definitely seems like it just gets freer as time goes on. I think that's what's kept me in line with Dave is Dave's never, he's never hit that point where he wanted to go backwards or down. Uh-huh. He just constantly wants to, you know, push the tree. He doesn't go back on anything that he does. Rounding, a rounding of the corners. I watched it happen with Mr. Kimura too, actually. It was really interesting. Yeah. 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 Sheesh. Lots to think about, David. Uh, the gears, the gears always start turning when, when we sit down and talk. It's, it's, uh, it's late there. It's dark. Yeah, you literally saw it the got sun dark. Go down. Yeah, literally got we, dark. We, we on literally your over the last couple hours. We literally watched your room <laughs> go dark. You're sitting in the dark by yourself now. It feels a little lonely. Come picture, towards the light. Picture frame in the back is not nearly as illuminated as it was. Right. Yeah. 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 The remote control one's at Mirai, the one that actually lights up. That's right. That's right. We do have that one. That's awesome. Uh, well, thanks for taking the time, man. I, I love I yeah, love dude. sitting down and rapping with you. It's good to catch up. Yep. Won't we'll be to, long. I'll be out there in a month. Uh, yeah, I can't we'll wait. Do it again then. The big four zero. Gosh, we're we're yeah. gonna start preparing tomorrow. <laughs> we'll get with the uh, party planning committee. We'll get with the creative team. We'll see what we can do for David Cutchins' 40th AKA birthday. Lonnie. That's right. Did, uh, did did just answer me this? Did Dockside ever come back? Uh, the Dockside is back. A tree yeah. fell. Tree fell on the Dockside. Um, oh. oh, are we? Taft is petitioning for the Dockside. The Dockside has limited hours these days, but it's still there. Tree nice. fell on it. Apparently, they've been able to recover from that. So, pandemic and then tree crush, and now, uh, you know, yeah, we'll 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 definitely do a dockside when you're here. How's that? I uh, that was the the worst thing about driving across uh, the first year of COVID is, yeah, I like to hit all these different places to eat. They were all freaking closed. I can't hear you, Taft, he but uh, he I see your mouth you. moving. <laughs> Okay. All right. Let us finish up. <laughs> Taft coming in hot here at the Taft, end. <laughs> Taft, Taft. It's Taft. like an eighties martial arts movie. It's just mouth moving a little. Totally. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, the dock side stimulated a tremendous amount of enthusiasm because still to this day, <laughs> Taft has taken it upon himself to test macaroni and cheese across the United States and Dockside is his number one. Yeah, strong, uh, for strong. me it's the uh, it's that garlic boat thing. Oh, whatever that's gosh, called. roasted garlic, amen. Yeah, that's it right there. I'm in. I'm in. Oh, good stuff. All right, brother. Well, we'll let you go, and we'll see you very soon. Cool, man. All right, dude. We'll see you later. All right, David. Take Thanks, care, David. Thanks, man. Peace.